we are the family of God, and as the family of God, um, I, I'm going to ask you to participate with me in something today, and that is, that is this. We have people in our family, this church family, that are going through difficulties. Some people have lost family members in the last week or two through death, to death. Some people are going through some really major family drama that they don't want to be in, but it's, it's theirs and they, they can't get out of it. There are people who are dealing with financial struggles and, and other things like that. And so, and so as the family of God, we support one another. We bless each other. We try to pray with one another. And so if, you, if any of that describes you, I'm going to ask you to do something here in a minute. But it's, it's not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to come forward. We're not going to ask you to say anything. We're not, all we're going to ask you to do is to stand because we're going to pray for those who are going through some really difficult times. And you know that it's going to take God and it's going to take courage to be able to stand up to the situation that you're in. And all day long, we have people, had people stand all across this room, just people who are dealing with stuff in life. And if that describes you today, I'd ask you to just stand with us right now. Just, just stand to your feet. Nobody has to say anything, but just, just stand to your feet. And, and I want our family to look around. Just look around you and you see the people who are dealing with stuff. And they don't, they don't want to be, but they are. And so right now we're just going to pray because we believe that God answers prayer, right? And we believe that God is bigger than all of this stuff, whatever it is we may be facing. So let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're praying right now for your people. We're praying that your wisdom would be there for folks who are dealing with confusing situations, that you would bring clarity into their minds and their hearts. For those who are dealing with sickness and disease, you said by your stripes we were healed. And so we stand on that word right now and we trust you. We believe you for healing that maybe we don't even understand, but we trust that you're going to do it anyway. For those who are dealing with family issues and, and stresses in relationship, you said that you are our peace. And so you said that the, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, would guard our hearts and minds. And so we're praying for that kind of guardianship in the lives of people right now, that, that you would guard their hearts and minds, that every negative thing, that every bit of anxiety would just be blocked by your Holy Spirit, Lord. For those who are dealing with financial issues or, or job situations, you said that you're our provider. And so right now we are believing you for provision in lives, Jesus. You know what needs to be done and you know how it needs to happen. And so in the name of Jesus, we just speak your provision over your people. Ultimately, we're believing you for the courage to deal with the situation before us as you give us the power and the strength. In Jesus' name we pray and let everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated, and thank you so much for participating with us in that. The fact of the matter is, is whether you're dealing with something big going on in your world right now or not, every single one of us are going to go through issues in which we need courage. We need, some, we need the ability to stand up to something that we don't want to face uh, in a situation that we do not want to be in, and yet we're going to have to face it anyway. And so today I want to talk to you for a few minutes on the subject of three attitudes that build courage. And if you're a note taker, I encourage you to take notes in your, in your uh, service guide. There's an opportunity there and it will help you as you walk forward in life. 
Because when we face these moments of panic or anxiety, we face these moments when, when it seems like everything's coming against us and, and we just do not know what to do, it takes a special, it's a special something. We call it courage, but what, 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 what is that? It's that special something that, that allows us to stand when we want to run. It allows us to face it when we really want to walk away from it and ignore it. it. It allows us to speak when we really want to be quiet. It, it allows us to be quiet when what we really want to do is speak. I slipped that one in there for us. The, it, it takes courage to do the things that we don't necessarily want to do. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be bad. Sometimes it can be sickness and, and death and tragedies and, and, and things of that nature, job losses, uh, so on. And sometimes it can be those things, but it can also be good things. Sometimes it can be opportunities or promotions. And you say, well, how, how is it, Micah? I mean, honestly, you know, how, how big of a struggle is it to, to step into an opportunity that presents itself? That doesn't seem like it would take courage. But I know people who have walked away from opportunities. And it's not just one time, but many times I've seen people step away from promotions because they were afraid that they didn't have what it took to complete the job. And so they, they, they walked away from it. The, the fact is, the unknown thing is always kind of scary. And how you respond to the unknown thing, that, that's, that's courage. That, that allows you to know how, what kind of courage or what quality of courage you may have. And, and whenever, I may have told you this story before, I don't remember, but, but whenever uh, the air dryers first came out, the kind that you blow dry your hands with in the, in the restrooms. Now, my, my family, we were in a restaurant and I went to the restroom and I washed my hands and, and I had my hands under the dryer. And at the time, they all sounded like 747s in the bathroom. And so I'm drying my hand and I can't hear anything. But suddenly I feel two big hands just grab me from around my waist like this in my rib cage and I don't know, maybe I was like seven or eight years old, and, and I was scared to death, and, I, and I, knew, I knew that somebody was trying to take me from the Golden Corral bathroom, because that's what happens at Golden Corral, and I'm just kidding, it's not, it's a great place, but, but, but I was scared, and, 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 I, and I thought, I'm not going out like this, I'm not, I'm not going to go out without a fight, and so, so I turned, and as I turned, I balled up my, my fists, and, and I probably closed my eyes, but I don't really remember, and I just struck out with everything that I had, and, and I punched with everything in me, and I punched my father right in the bread basket. <laughs> and, he, and he went, like this. His breath was bigger than the fan that was still blowing. And when that aircraft finally shut down, I heard my father say, at least I know you'd fight. <laughs> yes, I would fight. I wasn't going out in the Golden Corral bathroom. That wasn't going to happen, and, <laughs> and I haven't been to Golden Corral since I could make the choice. And so, the, and so <laughs> I did see one here in Toledo. So anyway, I, 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 just in that moment, I thought, I don't know what has me, but I'm going to stand up to it. And I might lose, but I might at least have a fighting chance. Courage is sometimes necessary 
And it often has to do with the unknown. And Moses deals with that. He deals with it on two different levels. He deals with it on a national or a corporate level. And he deals with it on a personal level. And we see both of those opportunities in Deuteronomy chapter number 31. In verse number 6, he's dealing with a national thing. He's speaking to the whole nation of Israel. And he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And he's speaking to the entire nation of Israel about what's going on in their world. And then then he flips it and he calls specifically to Joshua. It's important that we have a national courage or, or a corporate courage or a church level courage. But every single one of us individually, we need courage as well. And so he says to Joshua, uh, all of Israel watched as he said to him, be strong and courageous. For you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. And so Moses is saying to Joshua as God gives him the words to say. He's saying this is going to happen in your life and and you must be strong and courageous. So we must be strong and courageous. But also you individually must be strong and courageous. And our big idea today is this. God has called you to live courageously. He's called you and he's called me to live courageously. We need courage to lead lead a family or, or a business. We need courage to serve God faithfully. We need courage to move forward in every single area of life. At some point, you're going to need courage. We need courage to move the kingdom of God forward. As a church, there's going to be obstacles that stand before us, and they're not just going to go away because we want them to. As individuals, we're, we're going to have to stand up to something that when we step onto the field of battle, it's not just going to say, oh, okay, you're here, I think I'll just back up. Wouldn't it be awesome if that was the story of David and Goliath, that Goliath was standing out there saying, hey, send me a champion and let us fight together. And, 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 and if he wins, then you guys win. If I win, then we guys win. That's, that's real technical language. And, so, and, and that's how it's going to work. And, and so it would be awesome if, if while all of Israel's back there hiding, David comes walking out onto the field and, and Goliath goes, oh, no, I was just kidding. I don't really want to fight. Everything's okay, really. Wouldn't it be great if you walked into your house and and you found out that you had marital issues because you didn't know until just this very moment and and you said, no, I don't want marital issues and all the marital issues just went, boop, gone. They didn't exist. Wouldn't it be awesome if you're sitting there in your house and you realize you got financial problems and you're looking at your checkbook and the numbers aren't adding up and, and, so you, and so you say, I really don't want financial problems and so the Aflac duck shows up and just hands you money. Wouldn't that be awesome? That, that, that would be great if that's how it worked, but that's not how life works. Life doesn't go that way. And so as an individual, you're going to have to face a Goliath. As, a, as an organization, sometimes we have to face Goliath. And ignoring the problems don't work, because if ignoring the problem worked, then no one would have any problems. You'd just simply ignore it and it'd go away. And our world that does not like to confront things very often... It would be a world with no problems because we would just ignore them out of existence. 
In Samuel, Goliath was making problems for Israel and all of Israel was hiding. And in, in, in uh, Acts 4, society was making problems for the church as the, the powers that be were saying to the people of the church, hey, if you preach in this name, if you teach in this name, we are going to destroy you. So, so here's a choice. Do we fight the Goliath? Do we face all of society? And the reality is that sometimes we're fighting against ourselves because carnal nature, our natural man, will fight against us using sin. It, it, it will take courage to fight against our, our natural nature because here we are, we're, we're just going through life and, and, and we want to do the wrong thing even though we know the right thing to do. So we go ahead and we eat that 12th piece of pizza. And it shouldn't be a hard thing to do. I mean, 11's a pretty decent meal, you know. But there's something about that 12th that's just calling our name. Or that second pie. It's just, we know, but, but yet we, we're drawn to it. Or, or it's, maybe it's not pizza and maybe it's not pie. Maybe you drive down the street and you look at that house and suddenly your world changed because you have envy in your heart and you want to live in a house like that. In fact, you might even want to live in that house. And so all of a sudden everything begins to shift in your life so you can make enough money to live in that house or drive that car or do that thing or live that lifestyle. And everything begins to shift based upon what's going on. And, and ultimately, we need courage to answer the question, who's living my life? Because whoever's making decisions for your life is living your life. And if it's your carnal nature, then it's your carnal nature that's living your life. And if it's people in your life that are pressuring you to do things, family members who have jacked up their own lives and and now they're trying to push you into doing the things that they think you ought to do instead of you doing the things that you know you're called to do. Or, Or maybe it's people that are not even for you that are living your life because you're just walking down the the aisle at the grocery store and you see that person and you don't want to talk to them you don't want to face them so you turn around and you go the other way and you make your way down the other aisle in fact you even you cut your list in half because you don't even want to face that person now you can sit there acting like you don't know what i'm talking about if you want to (laughs) i've seen you spin out one of those carts That person's living your life. You're you're changing your trajectory of life based upon their presence, based upon their idea, based upon who they are, what they're doing in your world. And so they get to live your life. And I am excited for people who walk out of this service today saying, I am living my own life through the power of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's the vision. I'm going to give you three attitudes, biblical attitudes that every Christian can adopt in order to build courage in our lives. And these these attitudes come from champions of faith. And if we adopt them, we can walk in courage. And the, the first attitude is the but as for me attitude. But as for me. And this is a recognition of individual choice. We spoke about Joshua, and we'll mention him again right here, where Joshua is about to start leading the people into the promised land, and he's, he's trying to get them to go across the river with him and, and enter into an unknown place. And they're kind of like, ah, I don't know, it's really cool on this side of the river. And, and over there, you know, hostile people, bad people, big cities, great big walls. We're not sure. 
And so Joshua begins to speak. He says in verse 15, he says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... So if you're, if you're looking at it through your set of lenses and, and you decide it's evil to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. He, then he gives them choices. He said, the gods which your father served were on this side of, or on the other side of the river or, or the gods of the Ammonites. If you don't like the gods of your fathers, go, go for the gods of the Ammonites and, in whose lands you dwell. There's some other options for you. And then he says, but as for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua understands that his vision, his direction, his actions, his decisions may not match up with everyone else's decisions. And they may not like his decisions. You know, in, in our world, it's, it's, it's really easy to want everybody to like your decisions. You post it on Facebook, you want all the likes that you can get, or Instagram, or, or I don't know how the other ones work, but you, know, you want likes, and, and you want people to, to appreciate what you're doing, because we're like the Pied Piper, that we're, we're, we're piping, and we're hoping that somebody will follow. We're hoping that somebody will follow. We're hoping that somebody will follow. Okay, and hey, this isn't bad. Great, great job. Great job. Two of them didn't even have to be there. She did. She did have to be here. But the rest, the other didn't. I noticed that Betty, who was on staff, did not show up. And she's sitting right over there. So we'll talk about that Tuesday. Um, you're hoping somebody will follow, but out of, the, out of the, the people, all the people in this room, only three folks decided to follow, and you know what? It's your choice whether you were going to follow or not. Some of them, it was super easy, very easy, very easy, very easy, very easy, very easy, super easy to follow, and oh, we didn't go far enough. So some people are going to have their own excuses, but ultimately, it's their choice. Thank you all. Ultimately, it's your choice. If you, Joshua said, hey, I know where we're supposed to go, and I want you to follow me, but if you don't, ultimately, it is your choice. The but as for me attitude says, I've counted the cost. I know that everybody may not come along with me. There's a, there's a great book, I believe it's Simon Sinek that wrote, uh, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I may be wrong on the author, but I think that's right. Somebody looked that up so that I don't give wrong information. The, the fact of the matter is, he, he said, I, I know somebody is going to follow, but I don't know who that person is. And you're going to have your own ability to make a choice. Some people lack courage because they will not address the reality of their situation. They will not count the cost. What is the cost for doing what you're called to do? But you can't count the cost for something you're not aware of. So Joshua says, I, I am recognizing that you may choose to follow these other gods. But as for me and my house. But as for me, says I recognize your right to your opinion and actions. See, when we're leading, when we're, when we're living, we're, we're not necessarily able to impose our thoughts and feelings and actions on every single other person on planet Earth. We can't do that. They have the right to their own opinion. And Joshua's saying, I get that you can make your own choice here. Sometimes we, we lack courage because of pressure from others. We, 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 we know that they're not going to approve. 
We know that they're not going to like it. We know it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Or, or and so we have to decide. Am I going to change what I know I'm called to do in order to appease their, their calling or their situation? They have the right to their opinion, so just because they're saying it's not right doesn't mean it's not right in your world. But as for me, says I'm not responsible for you. Joshua was responsible to lead Israel into the promised land, but he was not responsible for every single individual Israelite and the choice that they personally would make. So Joshua was saying, I, I, I get that you have the ability to do your own thing, and I'm going to release responsibility. Some of you are dealing with stress and struggle in your life right now. You have no peace, and you're lacking courage. You're operating in fear because you're trying to take responsibility for someone else's responsibility. You want them to be more successfully financial, financially than they want to be. You want them to be saved, and, and they don't really want to be saved. You want them to have a better family life, and and that's not their focus or goal. You want their vision, their their future to be great, and and they just don't have that kind of an outlook for their vision, uh, their vision of their future. And so here you are, you're striving to get them to do the right thing when it's their choice, and ultimately you're not responsible for them. I'm responsible for my sons until they get to be of age and they move out of my house, and then it becomes their choice. And hopefully we've put enough in them to where they'll make right choices, but if they don't, as for me and those remaining in my house, we will serve the Lord. Ultimately, but as for me, says, your actions do not dictate my response. Somebody needs to write that down. Because just because you're not coming doesn't mean I'm not going. Just because you want to serve the other gods doesn't mean that I'm going to forsake the Almighty God. Just because you've made your decision doesn't change the direction that my life is going in. The the whole idea of the New Testament turn the other cheek passage is all about personal self-control. It's about saying, I'm not going to allow external stimuli to determine where I'm going or what I'm doing or how I respond to something. So if he smites you on one cheek, turn to him the other. It doesn't mean that Christians have to stand there and get beat to a pulp turning one cheek to the other and just get smacked all around. What it means is I'm not going to allow my carnal nature to rise up and take authority in this situation. I'm going to continue to do what I'm supposed to do because it's the right thing to do. And your actions will not dictate my responses in life. Joshua recognized their options and then he declared his own conclusion. But as for me. And that leads us to our second attitude And that attitude is the but-if-not attitude. But if not, it's the recognition of worst-case scenarios. 
He has three Hebrew children who are living in Nebuchadnezzar's world. And Nebuchadnezzar is saying, hey, I'll tell you what, I've got a great idea. I'm going to build this great big statue of myself out of gold, and you're going to bow down and worship it. And the three Hebrew children said, no, we're not going to bow down and worship it. We're only going to worship Jehovah God. And Nebuchadnezzar said, that's really bad because I really like you. And what I've said is, if, no one, if somebody doesn't worship, then I'm going to throw them in a fiery furnace where they will burn to death. This is negative. And he really does like the three Hebrew children. And so as the, the, the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and if you're looking for baby names, there's three. And he says, listen, I really like you guys, but I've already said this is how it's going to be. So I'm asking you, change your tune because I don't want to throw you in the fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they respond to King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. They answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. They're telling him, we don't need to think about this. We don't need another little huddle to figure out what we're going to do. We don't need to answer you in this matter. We know that if you throw us in this fiery furnace, we know that God will take care of us. And that God can take us care of us. He can actually take, take us out of your hand. You yourself, O king, are not determining our, the result of our life right now. That's what they're telling him. But they continue to speak. And they, they give us this amazing phrase. But if not, let it be known to you, O king. We do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. So they're saying, even if we burn in the fire, we're not going to do what you're asking us to do. These three men trusted God to save them, even if God did not relieve them from the fire. And I think that's a lot of an issue in, our, in Christianity today. We have a tendency in Christianity to believe especially here in the United States, that if we're doing God's will, there won't be fire. And if there's fire, it must mean we're not doing God's will. And the two things are not equal. If, but if not, it recognizes that all decisions are not right or successful, even if those decisions are mine. I've made some bad decisions. I've made some decisions that did not work out the way I thought. And just because they were my decisions didn't make them right. Failure is an option. I always find it slightly humorous when people say, failure is not an option. I heard a, uh, a gentleman going to play, about to play on a football team in a big game say in his interview pre-game, failure is not an option. And then they lost badly. So apparently it was. It was an option. And, and, and so when we get the understanding that, but if not, if we adopt that attitude, it understands that failure could be an option. But it also recognizes that a negative outcome of my decision does not necessarily mean my decision was wrong. Just because it didn't work the way you thought doesn't mean it was the wrong decision to make. 
Some people are afraid to make decisions today because you've made decisions in the past and they didn't work out the way you thought. It doesn't mean that the decision you made in the past was wrong. It just means it didn't work out the way that you thought. They're telling him, listen, we know there is no doubt in our minds that God could deliver us not only from the fire, but from your hand. And yet if he doesn't, it doesn't mean the decision we're making is wrong. If we burn in the fire, O king, we'll have burned in the fire making the right choice. And this but-if-not attitude, it recognizes that you believe in this thing enough to fight for the success and risk failure in the effort of pursuing it. When we were going to plant a church in Hawaii, I, uh, I called my grandfather. My grandfather is one of the greatest champions of my life. I mean, uh, I, literally a few days ago, I, I posted, it was his birthday in August, and August 19th, and I posted about him on, on, on Facebook, and one of my cousins uh, wrote in underneath, and it's, you know, you can always tell it's my cousin if they're ragging on me, okay? So, um, so he, he, she wrote, uh, yes, I remember the many years going to his house and hearing how perfect Micah was. Papa was one of my greatest champions on the planet. And, and, and I called him and I said, Papa, we're going to Hawaii and we're going to start a church. And there was silence. And finally he decided to speak. And he said, well, I hope you don't go there and starve and die. <laughs> well, me too, in fact. I, I also hope for that outcome. I hope that we don't starve and die. My greatest supporter on planet Earth outside of Christy was telling me, uh, you know, <laughs> you might go over there and starve and die, and won't that be a hoot? <laughs> and so here we are thinking we could go over there and we could fail. This, could, this might not work. And yet, we were willing to get on the plane anyway. And we were willing to go make a try at it anyway. Because if not... It was still the right choice to make. And that leads us to thought number or attitude number three, and that is you meant, but God meant. You meant, but God meant. And this is a recognition of divine will. In the story of Joseph, you have, you have this guy who grows up a favorite of his father who his brothers get jealous and they sell him into slavery and he ends up in Egypt where he is a slave, then he's imprisoned, and then from there he goes into Pharaoh's palace and, and through God working in his life and an amazing wisdom in his world, he rises to power to where he ends up being the second most powerful person in the, the nation of Egypt, which at that time was one of the most powerful nations on the planet. And so here is Joseph, and, and, and because of the famine, it became the most powerful because it was the place where there was food. And so back in Canaan, where they all came from, Joseph's father and brothers are, are running out of food, and their father says to the brothers, 
brothers go to Egypt and buy food. So they very unsuspectingly make their way down to Egypt and they're there buying food for their family and Joseph sees them. And there's this whole narrative on, you ought to read it if you haven't, it's an incredible story about how he in some ways toys with them. But the reality is he's trying to rebuild and find a way to rebuild a relationship with them. And so he finally gets them into a room and he, he, he cries and he, he, he finally reveals himself to them. And so he's, he's, he's standing there saying, wow, this is incredible. God's bringing us back together. And they're sitting there thinking he's about to kill us because we sold him into slavery. And Joseph speaks to his brothers in Genesis 50 verse 18. They say, look, we are your slaves. Don't kill us. Just do to us what we did to you. That's what they're saying. Verse 19, but Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You see, Joseph saw God's hand in man's action. And when we adopt this you meant but God meant attitude, we're, we're, we're understanding that there is a greater purpose in the life of the believer. Joseph's brothers weren't intending to save anything. They were intending to get rid of the little creep who was ruining their lives. That's what they wanted to do. But God, he had a hand in their actions. And he used their actions for something that was very good. It's also a lesson to all older siblings to treat your younger siblings well. You just never know what God's going to do with them. But when you know that God has a bigger plan, that there is divine will there, that there's a greater purpose, then that divorce that was meant to hurt you could actually make you stronger. It means that partner who was intending to destroy you actually made you smarter in how you do business. It it could be that that hurt that was meant to push you away from God actually draws you closer to God when you understand that there's a greater purpose in the life of the individual believer. We, We can get there when we say, yeah, I know you meant, because your actions really don't have any, any power over my life. I understood that whatever God meant, that's the thing that's actually going to prevail. It also means that in the life of the believer, there's no revenge in the heart of the courageous. You meant, but God meant. What he was saying is, I know what you did. But I'm not trying to get back at you because of what you did, because I see what God has done. See, when somebody begins to operate from the spirit of revenge, it puts you under the control of whatever it is that you're trying to get revenge over. That that individual, you, you think about them, you plot and plan. At night, you stay up awake and you think, well, if I do this, then they're going to do that. Ooh, that'll really teach them. And then this over here and that over there. Who is living your life? Who's controlling your world? Well, they're not controlling me. I'm going to get them. By wanting to get them, they're controlling you. Joseph was saying, I I don't have time in my life for that. I see what God's doing with my life. And so there's no revenge here. In the you meant but God meant attitude, there's humility and courage. An understanding of place. 
The courageous, they know their place in the proceeding. If you see a military man or woman uh, interviewed after doing something heroic or courageous, they'll, they'll often say things like, that wasn't my job, or that was my job, rather, and I, just, I was just doing what, I was, what I'm called to do. I'm doing what I'm paid to do. I, I'm just, I was just doing what anyone would have done, have done in my position. And maybe they're telling the truth, but, but they're showing humility and courage. The weak try to accept... The, the blessing or the, the, the benefit of things that they never did. The thing that they'll take credit for, even though they had no part in it. I, that's a weak thing to do. But the courageous person will be humble. Joseph was saying, yeah, I, I could lord this over you. I could hold this over your head for the rest of your lives. I, I could make you pay in ways that your mind has not even fathomed. I could. I'm not going to, though. Because in my success, I still find humility. I know what God has done, and I know the part that I play in it. And ultimately, you meant, but God meant it. It it means salvation. Understanding that salvation is always God's desired result. Now, you might not have salvation as your end goal in the plan that you have going on, but you should always act like you're saved while going through the process. That means when we grieve, the Bible says we don't grieve as the unsaved people do. We still feel it, but we don't do it the same way. It means that when we're angry, we're still angry. Anybody ever angry? You don't have to lift your hand. Your spouse is going to lift it for you. It's all right. You've been angry, but sin not. So do you get mad? Yeah, I get mad. I just just try not to sin while I'm mad. It, It just means that we do things knowing that salvation is the ultimate goal. Joseph said, you meant to destroy me But God used me to save you. Which means I can't be mad at this. Look what God's done. Our world uses the the phrase courage or courageous pretty loosely. Language in many ways, the poignant nature of language is often lost in our present Situation We do hashtag courage, you know. I swang on a swing backwards, hashtag courage. (laughs) Really? Unless you're super scared of swings, I guess. (laughs) Courage isn't accepting things that are happening in life and just laying down for them and and that becomes a, a badge of courage. Well, I'm just going to accept it. I'm going to be courageous and just let it all happen, whatever's going to happen. That's not courage. That's just giving up. Courage could be, though, intentionally engaging in something that does frighten you. If there was a mouse in this room right now, it would take courage for me to go get it. Because I'm scared of them. If you judge me, You need to repent. 
Maybe choosing to fight a battle that you know you probably can't win. But you know it's right. That takes courage. How about refusing to respond in pride, wanting to be noticed or get credit for something? Somebody says thank you to the person standing next to you for something that you did. Could take courage to just let that go. Let them get the credit for your action. How about doing what's right even if it's not popular? I can take courage. Moses said to Israel and then to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Why? Because he knew there was going to be an opportunity for them to be weak and to be timid. And so he, re- he was reminding them by the power of God to be strong and good courage. But here's, the, here's the, the bottom line. If you operate in courage, you're not operating alone. The scripture said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So whatever you're dealing with in life right now, If you're dealing with family stuff, I'm sorry. But step out in courage, knowing that God's with you. If you're dealing with financial stuff, I'm sorry. But stand in courage, knowing that God is for you. If you're dealing with job issues, stand in courage, knowing that God is with you. If you're dealing with whatever it may be, maybe you just, maybe you just can't see the next step and you need some clarity. So you're standing there in the dark, you're standing there in the unknown. Stand with courage, knowing that you're not standing alone. Just don't let go of your Father's hand. He's right there. In a moment, we're going to stand and our elders are going to come forward and we're going to, if you need prayer, then I'm going to encourage you to come forward and and let us pray with you as we close the service in song. But right now, we're going to pray for courage. I'm going to ask us all to stand because we all need courage. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for your grace and for your strength. You know who you're speaking to today. You know the, the, the drama, you know the dilemma, you know the, the stress and the struggle that they're, they're going through. You know what they need to be able to press through into victory. And so we're praying right now that you will allow the attitudes of, that will build courage to rise up within them. So that they can make clear choices and right choices. So that your will would be done in their life in every way. I thank you for it. I praise you for it, mighty Savior. Let the Holy Spirit move in the lives of your people. As we stand with you, facing whatever the enemy may be, and doing it with courage. In Jesus' name. Let's sing. If you need prayer, come forward.